very quickly became a passion of mine. Uh, while I was covering education, I went to the school board meetings every, every month, as most education reporters do. And I started to see a lot of themes and patterns, um, especially with regard to Catholic schools. Uh, at the time, if you remember, there was um, a lot of students, unfortunately, in the US and in Canada, uh, queer, queer and trans students were taking their lives uh, because they weren't being supported. Uh, it was just at the beginning of the It Gets Better campaign. Uh, and so it was really, there was a lot happening in, in this and I wanted to be involved. And uh, lucky enough, the, the job opened up at Extra and, uh, and I was a perfect fit for it. And I was there for uh, almost five years, for four years. And, uh, and you know, we, I, I really feel that my, in my time there, I really got to do the kind of stories I was absolutely hungry to do, uh, which was, you know, exposing injustice and, you know, really digging down into investigations about uh, how we can, you know, make the country and the world <laughs> safer for queer people, queer and trans people. I, uh, there's so many directions we can go, you know, when it comes to the, under the, you know, the, the umbrella of change, uh, when it comes to the community, uh, to, to the LGBTQ and trans communities. Um, I, I, I almost don't even know where to go with it. I mean, you know, you, you mentioned the beginning of the, it gets better campaign and, um, that campaign at the time uh, was, you know, kind of was really cool to, to see happen, but it wasn't met without controversy totally. as well. It, it was, um, and, I, and if I remember, I think I remember reading an extra quite a bit of not, I'm not gonna say people were against it, but just that it needs to be a be it needs to be better than it gets better, essentially. Um, what, what's your take on, on how um, queer rights have um, changed uh, since you mm. became, since you started writing about them? Oh my goodness, so much change. I mean, yeah. just in the last, uh, I mean, th the last decade alone has yeah. seen, um, you know, such groundbreaking change, especially with regard to trans rights, yeah. which is something the It Gets Better campaign really didn't touch on. It was really a campaign focused on fairly middle class, yeah. largely white, yeah. gay men. Yeah, and, and yeah how, gay kids, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and largely men, like bo yeah. young boys. And, yeah. and, Absolutely, boys, uh, especially gay, young queer boys, young flamboyant boys, sure. uh, absolutely were there's not to diminish the kind of you know bullying and horrific attacks that many of them experienced. Yeah. But girls were you know young girls were really kind of left out of that campaign, especially in the beginning, and especially trans people. And if we look at the change over the past ten years with regard to trans rights specifically, you know the the um, the, the minds and, and hearts that have been changed, but also the legislation. The laws that have been changed um, and in many ways in some cases there's been a major backlash so we've even seen the change go from you know acceptance or at least some degree of acceptance to a backlash which is what we're seeing in the states right now what we're yeah. seeing in the uk right now um, there's there's now legislation that that actually stops um trans youth from accessing health care <laughs> um, and you know, we wouldn't, and I was having this conversation recently with, uh, with MPP Sherry DeNova, or former MPP Sherry DeNova, I was having, we were having catch up after the pandemic drinks, and we were sort of reminiscing about the, the, you know, the laws that have been passed. And I said, you know, your, your piece of legislation, which added gender identity and gender expression to the Ontario Human Rights Code, which was absolutely massive at the time, and the bill that we got passed with conversion therapy, probably would never be able to happen under Doug Ford right now yeah. because of the way that the you know populism and the right wing sort of uh, narratives have sort of formed over the last few years have changed 
how people see this issue. Um, and, uh, and, and unfortunately, the trans rights have been weaponized uh, by many people. So uh, yeah, so lots of change with regard to trans yeah. rights specifically. Well, yeah. I I, I I can still remember, you know, uh, being, you know, a new, new, a new, you know, active member of, uh, as an ally to the uh, LGBTQ community, and uh, and and hearing things like there were, the, the, even within the queer community, the acceptance of the trans community was it's a long, it's been a long and hard road. Like it's not been uh, what you would say. Um, a, a a clear path and even within the queer community there were people who were like i, I don't anti-trans it seemed you know and it was and to me oh, that's absolutely and that surprised me and you know and then i remember i even heard things like you know even when it came to bi the bisexual part of the community and it was just a joke but i a friend of mine you know we were standing at the pride parade and the bisexual group goes by and they yell oh honey pick a side and it was like it was you know yeah. it was funny you're trying to yeah. be but that there's there's an underlying uh there's still the, the alphabet soup that we call you know all of the letters of the lgbt yeah. community uh is so diverse like how do you, you you're i don't know you can never get it all on the same page right like i don't i don't think but the i don't know if you have to the biphobia and the transphobia and the racism is real in the in in, in the queer community and, yeah. and you know we saw that we saw the racism very clearly after black lives matter Absolutely. uh yeah. stopped the pride parade and we and yeah. uh, i don't know how your facebook feed was bob but <laughs> mine was vitriolic it, like it's true you know the yeah. amount the amount of conversations and debates uh, that were happening between queer people, between gay people yeah. uh, in this city that, you know, for a lot of people, it, it created divisions that didn't exist yeah. before. I mean, I, I lost friends, friends we, I, there's still people I, I didn't talk, I don't talk to now yeah. uh, because of that issue um, and how it really divided people. So, you know, I think that, I think that, you know, queer people, queer and trans people were constantly changing. We're constantly trying to be better people. Um, and, uh, and, you know, we're, we are impacted by the same intersectional oppressions and biases that the broader community is. Uh, and, you know, unfortunately we, we have a lot in some ways, we have to look at ourselves and, and recognize our own biases and change and make yeah. those changes personally. Absolutely. It's, uh, there's so much work to be done all the time and, and, you know, and things with the, with the, the pandemic, uh, how do you find, uh, the last 18 or whatever, 18 months have, uh, have been for your world? I mean, you've been teaching, um, how has, uh, are you, are you doing much journalism right now? Or are you, are you, are you doing mostly teaching right now? I'm mostly teaching and preparing to teach right now, but yeah. uh, I have been working, um, doing some writing myself and trying to um i've been trying to put together a podcast myself okay very uh, good and uh and 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 also just you know really trying to just be a better person and just yeah. learn more self use the time to you know self-educate yeah. i you know was debating whether journalism is is actually even something i want to keep doing uh and whether maybe my talents and skills would be better served in some other way um i you know over the pandemic i i really learned much more about food i've always been passionate about food and i've always been really into cooking but i started to really understand it more with the lens of climate change okay. and really and really thinking about food systems and you know understand once you learn a lot about climate change and you start to really understand the science you start to really understand how how important food is to the entire equation right. you know yeah. the, the, 
we're going to be, you know, in, in a very short amount of time, we're going to be, um, you know, potentially, you know, uh, having real, real system failures with regard to our food and right. accessing food. And, you know, while middle class white folks like you and I might not feel it right away, um, we are certainly part of a, a larger system that is going to be failing for a lot of people, right? And so I wanted to understand this. And I, and I you know, started to do a lot more self-education, sort of think about this a lot. And I even did an interview internship on a farm oh, wow. um, during the pandemic. Um, it was, you know, two queer guys and I, you know, Asked, you know, I, I yeah, I didn't want to do the whole growing season. I thought that might be a bit bit much my first time. <laughs> I volunteered I wanted, some, you know, come on. Yeah, let's be serious here. I wanted to sort of get a sample of it. So I was there for the spring months. I was there for a couple months in the spring. And uh, and I we I learned all about how to raise a, a small herd of pigs and wow. a small flock of chickens right. and learned all about growing and you know, really had some great conversations about change, about you know, how our climate is changing, how that change impacts agriculture and farming and food and you know what it means for the younger generation which is you know these are conversations i'm totally expecting to have with my students in september right yeah. you know the anxiety and the the fear and despair and grief we all feel about climate change um is you know i can't even imagine how if i'm feeling it how exacerbated it must be with young people younger right people, and so sure. And so that these are conversations, uh, uh, really difficult conversations about change, which I'm I'm totally expecting to have. And so I'm, I'm in a way I'm I'm looking forward to it because I think for me anyway I get most of my inspiration and most of my, uh, you know, just drive and, and excitement with regard to these difficult issues from young people and how they yeah. how they and how they uh, work through these issues. You use the term self education and uh, you taught yourself a lot. Um, there's a change is the, the, uh, ready, readily available information, but also readily available wrong information. Um, how do you, That's true. you know, like uh, the, I, and I, I, of all people, a journalist, somebody with a journalistic background, like you, I believe the self-education that you would give yourself is, you know, as thoroughly researched and, uh, you know, yeah. you're looking, you're looking for the right sources, you're getting the right things. However, we see this all the time now, thanks to social media and thanks to, <laughs> yeah, and thanks to this, you know, these in our pocket, we have the answer to every question, right? In our phone, yeah. we have the answer to every question. How do you think, uh, technology, uh, has played in to the changing world of not even just journalism, but information, like, mm. you know, like, uh, how do you, how do you, what do your students, your students are coming in. They think they know everything probably. <laughs> Right. Like, well, how does that work? Endure, where does where does this work now when everybody can sit, you know, in front of their laptop or on their toilet, you know, scrolling through <laughs> and getting all, and, and thinking that yeah. they're getting everything right? Like, how how are we going to how are our young people going to decipher what is real and what isn't and what is fake news and all that yeah. fun stuff? Oh my God, that's such a huge point. And I literally teach an entire class just yeah. on this one question. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it's so it's so important because and and working through the especially the introduction to news studies class, these are students who have come right out of high school. Like I'm okay. probably their like first, 17 years old. Like yeah, 18, right out of high yeah, school. So right. I'm probably one of their first people that they meet at university, yeah. right? Yep. And so Maybe they haven't even seen a newscast before. Maybe they haven't read the newspaper before. That's my, we're getting there. I would be like, what a newspaper is a like, 6 p.m. newscast. Like nothing, they, don't, they don't exist to them. They don't, no. things don't exist to them. Maybe you, their only access to news is through TikTok. Yeah, right? exactly. Yes, <laughs> so, this is my point. 
Exactly. What are we doing how, about this? <laughs> how do you arm them, right? Yeah. You arm yes. them with, with yes. the tools yeah. to be able to, you know, nope. be critical news readers. Yes. You know, but even just basic things like who is publishing this? Yes. <laughs> you know, like, where is this? And yeah. looking at the URL, is it is it like theguardian.com.co? Is it like, you know, right. one of those? Yeah. Or, you know, is it a real legitimate news source? Who is saying it? What, per, right. what ideology does this person bring to right. their news? And even mainstream news yeah i mean if you're reading the the national post versus the toronto star you know who are they speaking to who is the reporter speaking to where do they where do they put a quote you know what is that telling you what personal bias does this reporter bring to this story right what bias does the editorial board what is an editorial board well they're the people who actually make the decisions (laughs) and what bias are they bringing to their to their news so yeah you've got like fake news and you know ultra right wing you know breitbart rebel you've got all those people absolutely but you've also got a lot of nuance within the mainstream world that is really important to talk to and of course you have you know the people who are you know pushing the disinformation you know the you know the trolls trolls, but also people who are trying to monetize they're just trying to there's a lot of people who are just trying to make a buck because extreme viewpoints make money right and we know that right we know that you know all you have to do is just put something out there um that is crazy and outlandish um and uh and you will sell advertising and you will make money yeah and so much of the fake news phenomenon really just started with people just making money off clicks yeah. Uh, and so, you know, the students are going to be, uh, you know, presented with lots of different examples and we'll have lots of discussions about this exact topic, because I think this is one of the most important things, you know, to, you know, not even if you're going to be a journalist, but if you're going to be a sit, an engaged a citizen, human being, yes. a human being engaged yeah. in your in your community, engaged in your world, um, you know, you, you, you need news, you need to be a critical news reader and you need to be able to filter through uh, all, all the, the, the garbage that's out there. You mentioned the word bias and uh, left and right. And I would love to know your opinion on how much further apart the sides are now than when you started in, in journalism as a, Great you know, question. you know how I feel just as, and again, and I'm, I don't, I'm not, I don't know if I call myself a news junkie, but I'm in broad, I've been in broadcast. I've been in traditional broadcast for 20, over 20 years. And it's been part of my life, the news cycle and news and, and traditional newscasts and but just being, basically educating and inform or informing and entertaining. That's what I've been part of uh, in, in my life. I've been very lucky to do that for a living. However, but I've never been like a hardcore newscaster or anything like that. But I can't help but think we are so much further apart in ideologies than we ever have in the last 20 years. Would you agree with that? Yes, in some ways. Uh, and I think there's a lot of specific reasons for it. I think, like, as I mentioned before, I think a lot of issues have been weaponized uh, yep. because people know that, it, you know, getting people really, really angry about, you know, certain certain issues like identity issues, like trans issues and whatnot, uh, is, a, is a really easy way to, to garner votes or support or popularity or, you know, traction on Twitter, so to speak, right? Yeah. Because things go viral when they're really crazy opinions. Yeah. But, you know, I do think that we have seen, you know, a real demographic shift in opinions about, you know, pretty much everything, you know, you know, you you look at young people and they're, they're, the way they look at the world has, has shifted 
you know, even something as simple as like, I don't know if you've been, you followed what happened at Ryerson Journalism School. There was a, a number of students last year who uh, penned a letter um, talking about the mental health issues that they experienced, the, you know, the difficulties it is being a young journalist, you know, the changes in the industry that have, you know, caused them to basically have no job opportunities. Yeah. And so, and, and, and this has had huge impacts on their mental health and their ability to focus and their ability to be successful at school. Um, and, in, in, you know, maybe my generation and your generation would have, you know, crunched, you know, worked all night, crammed, you know, done everything possible, you know, taken it as a personal failure if you didn't get an internship or if you didn't get a right. job. It was because yeah. of you or because of something you didn't do. That's yep. how I would have read that situation. And maybe you would have as well. True. That's not how this generation reads it. They read it as an injustice, that there is an injustice in societal injustice, a cultural injustice, a journalism injustice that has been done to them. You know, because the previous generation or previous generations yeah. didn't make proper decisions, didn't have decisions based on justice and equality. Uh, instead, they made decisions based on profit. Instead, they made decisions based on, you know, capitalist greed and things like right. that, which largely, in many cases, they're right. right? Sure. Uh, but, you know, the, just the, the mindset change that has taken place, you know, that instead of saying, well, I, you know, I didn't get this job because, you know, I, I, I didn't work hard enough. It's like, I didn't get this job because someone made decisions to, you know, condense that newsroom down from 20 people to five yep. and, you know, major issues are not being covered. And the people that they're hiring are freelance students who are making poverty wages. Yep. And that's an injustice. They're not and wrong. And I think that that's amazing. Yeah. I think not, that change is amazing. Yes. Yeah. Oh, they're not wrong in, in, in identifying it, right? They're, absolutely not. They're not wrong in identifying it. Um, it's interesting. I like, I will be the first, I, 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 you know, we talk about, you know, your, your Facebook feeds or whatever, getting, you know, full of vitriol. Like I, I am the first to acknowledge my, my privilege. I am a 45 year old white man. Um, I, I, I'm the enemy. I did, you know, it's, I'm the one who messed it up. Um, <laughs> Uh, but there is people around my age would be like, well, pull your own socks up and figure it out. Cause that's yeah. what we did. Right. But, yeah. but, but, but you're not, but, but the fact is you're right. There are so many, uh, there's so many less opportunities, especially in the journalism or in the broadcast world. Like that was what I was going to, one of the things I was going to bring up earlier is, yeah, I mean, you're right. You know, if we didn't get an internship, we would have worked twice as hard to get it, not say, Hey, wait a minute, the system's wrong. First of all, shouldn't even be an intern. So, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And why so, aren't I being paid as an intern? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we would have never thought of that. Right. Like if we would have yeah. had our, our secondary job. And trying to unionize your workplace as yeah. an intern, that would have no to me. <laughs> no yeah no it's you know what it, it, and it, it's amazing and it's sometimes it's hard when you're you know I, again i i said to you before we even started recording about you know i had my job i had a contract finish uh, with with a with bell media during uh during the pandemic and then they went and they they blew out like 300 people a couple months later so across the country and and that doesn't sound like a lot but to a company the size of bell but bell media that was a lot because bell media is a small part yeah so I, I understand i understand that i i it's interesting to 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 and i i love hearing your opinion or your your thoughts on you know these talking to these kids who are 17 years old uh, 18 years old who probably never they've never had a newspaper in my world it's they've never had a favorite radio station 
right? You know, like it's or that, right? Like, had, like many of them, radio. What's radio? I listen to podcasts. Oh right? well, yeah, <laughs> radio. To, radio to them is something their parents have on in the car, and that's it, exactly. right? Like so, exactly. and that's a huge issue for uh, for my industry. Uh, oh, yeah. tra- traditional over the air radio is in. We're not. I, I will say this: we talk about change. We have to change. We have a lot of things that have to be done to engage younger younger people. We do have a USP. We're we our unique selling proposition is we're free. You never have to pay for us. Yep. All you have, you know, is, so we do have that going for us. What about newspapers? Mm. Like what, what what where do newspapers fit into all of that? We, I think, you know, for for the newspaper world, that's my background, of course, yeah, is newspapers. That's what, yeah. And and I think that you know. You know, newspapers filter the news for everybody else. Newspapers and wire services. You know, I think John Oliver did a, did an amazing piece on this where he talked about the importance of journalism and journalism is a pillar of democracy and we must not lose sight of that. But he also talked about how what he does would not be able to be done without journalism. What right. you do wouldn't be yeah. able to be done without yeah. newspaper journalism. Without Absolutely. New, j- newspaper journalists filtering across the city, going to these meetings, you know, to, you know, Reporting. Out, ha- reporting, doing that yeah. dirty, that, you know, bootstrap reporting that, you know, is so, so important that unfortunately is not happening quite to the extent it was when I was, you know, working nope. in daily newspapers. Nope. I, and, I, and I think that, you know, this is massive. I think that I personally, you know, think that we should be doing better as a society to fund newspapers. Yeah. I think that it's a public, I think we should be, you know, shifting more to the idea that it's a public service. And I don't know exactly what the answer to that is, because obviously there's, there's issues with, you know, government funding newspapers, you know, how sure. do you control to make yeah. sure that they're still a watchdog, right? How do you make yeah. sure that they're not, you know, doing the government's bidding. So obviously I, I don't I, I don't have all the answers, but I, I losing newspapers is would would be would be painful for our democracy, would be would chip away uh, at, at Canada's democracy and, and, and global democracy. We see that around the world. You know, we yeah. see countries that lose media, that lose local media specifically, have have a weaker democracy. Um, I mean, you just have to look to the U.S. for that, right? I mean, they sure. have a much weaker democracy because they have less media uh, and, and less, you know, newspaper journalism. Um, everything is the 24-hour news cycle. Everything is CNN, Fox News. And we've seen the result of that. Yeah. It, it, it means a weaker democracy. And I think when we say newspapers and, you know, again, I, I say this a lot on my podcast, not to get all Marshall McLuhan, but when we say... <laughs> When we say newspapers, it doesn't necessarily mean a broad sheet. Like it doesn't mean a piece of paper. You no. mean that, it does, the newspapers, as in what's on, it can be. It can actually be be distributed anyway. It's the, the work that goes itself, into that. The paper itself will probably be gone soon. Like, yeah. like the, the fact, sure. frankly, that we still have uh, three broadsheets yeah. <laughs> is yeah. amazing, right? Yeah. And and a, and a tabloid, which we can't throw the the sun at yet. You know, I, 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 as, much as, <laughs> <laughs> as much as you want to. <laughs> they serve a purpose, right? They do. Well, they <laughs> they serve do. a purpose. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, you know, the fact that we still have these papers in hard copy form is amazing. I wouldn't, yeah. you know, we've been saying for years the National Post will be sure. folded. We've saying for years the, the Toronto Star will fold. Um, I, I think, it will, it, you know, if there's anyone that's going to hold out probably the longest, it'll be the Globe. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, they, I, I think you're right. I think, you know, it's it doesn't matter. I, I don't even read the newspaper in hard copy no. form anymore. My right. news comes from the web. And, and yeah. you know, I read newspapers, but I read them online. 
time. Um, and I actually really like looking at uh, an app I have on my iPad, which shows me the front pages. And so, right. because for, for me, it's, uh, and I'm going to teach this to my students, is the importance of where things sit on a front page is a good indication of, of how important the newspaper or, you know, the, the, the news of the day uh, places that particular issue. And I think that's really important as a newsreader to know. I can remember in high school, uh, media studies, oh, yes. uh, English media studies. And, uh, and I've, it's funny you say that because I still to this day, and I use it in, in, in regards to what we do on the radio a lot, but also just is juxtaposition. Is where things are. Oh yes. What they're put next to. What the, you you talked about on whether it's on the front page. What it's next to. What's what's there. Why is it? Why is that there? Why you know? And thinking that way, not just the content, but literally thinking about the way things are laid out. And it's interesting yeah. the world, you know that that you know these kids today as they are growing up in, uh, with with TikTok and um uh and you know I, I love Google News. I think I think it's Google a News is a great aggregator of news. And and yes, it can become an echo chamber. But I use it as often as I use it all the time when I'm when I'm preparing for a shift. If I was doing an on-air shift, uh, you know, I use it all the time because I find it, it, it. You and you can set it to the things you like and whatnot. But but I think you're right. I think how uh, how how things are, are put out there is almost is 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 somewhere near as important as what is being said, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I, and I think that's where a course like yours is so important, especially the one for students who aren't actually journalism students. I think that's yeah. terrific. Um, before I let you go, I've kept you for about a half an hour now. Um, I would like to talk to you a little bit about your work uh, with sex workers, because I think yeah. it's very important, um, you know, with the just recently the only only fans, uh, speaking of technology, and only fans uh, being uh, a pretty safe way for sex workers, to, you know, to make some money to make money and and to normal not. I don't know. This is probably the wrong. Not normalized sex work. I don't, is that the right term? Yeah, is, that, is that okay? Absolutely. Is that okay. But to nor to make it part. It's a job, and it's a, and it, and it sex is, work is work. Yes, absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, let's talk about when you started to advocate for sex workers. Uh, how have things changed? Where where are things standing in, in, with sex workers? Uh, another issue, like trans yeah. rights, another issue yeah. that has evolved and changed so yeah. much over the last yeah. decade. Uh, and it's actually very intertwined with trans rights yep. because as mm -hmm. we know, the limited opportunities for trans women, yeah. specifically trans women of color, uh, so many of them become sex workers. So it's really important that we understand sex work as under the umbrella of the broad LGBTQ, yes. TTQ yep. plus yep. umbrella. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, you know, I remember when I was at Extra writing about the stroll, do you know the stroll over, you know, yeah. in, in the village? In the village, yeah. And a lot of those, you know, this was a time when a lot of those housing prices were starting to really go through the roof, those beautiful Victorians. And, you sure. know, many of those people did not want sex workers. Over uh, on Maitland and whatnot. Exactly. Yeah. Yep, that yep, whole yep, area. Yep. And so I remember writing a lot of stories about this. And, and at the time, it was a real education for me because on, on one hand, I saw what they were talking about. Yeah. On the other hand, I, I saw this as a, a, a very basic human rights issue. And, with you know, without access to safe spaces for sex workers to work without, you know, if we're going to be criminalizing and at the time it was before the Bedford laws repealed uh, all the laws around sex work all you know everything that sex workers did was criminalized and so they couldn't legally do their work uh, and so you have these two injustices as you know and how is how I understood at the time uh, and then as you know like after the Bedford laws um 
removed all those laws surrounding sex work and we effectively had a, a decriminalized system in Canada. Yeah. Of course that changed under Harper when, when the laws came back. Um, but we have a situation now where sex workers still can't work legally. Um, and a few years ago after when the Bedford laws were, were quashed, um, Now Magazine was really in a, in a scary situation because a right. lot of the funding that funded their journalism came the from, and I was, at now, I was at Now, exactly, and I was at Now, now Magazine at the time writing about this. Yeah. And there was a real moment at now where they were afraid that they might have to fold because of this, because it was such an enormous amount of, of their, of their budget. Um, and so now we have the exact same situation happening with, with OnlyFans, except now we don't have a publication that is, you know, depending on OnlyFans, we have sex workers lives. Yeah. <laughs> and so, not, I don't care about OnlyFans. It's the people who are using it to make precisely. their own. Yeah. Exactly. However, I did, we do care about Now Magazine, so, right? Like, yes, of but, course. You know, and Now Magazine, we, you know, the fact that, you know, now what yes. happened as a result of all of that with Now Magazine, that they've had to, you know, enter into some, you know, less than, you know, uh, less or, or de deals with, with, with corporations that don't necessarily have journalism in mind, right? Yes. They may be focused on profit from the, the cannabis support, industry yeah. or profit from gaming and things like that. Yeah. So, but all that aside, you know, at, at the end of the day, I think sex workers, you know, are really making inroads and in helping the public understand what we were talking about, how this is work. And, you know, in a, in a capitalist society where there are limitations uh, and, and barriers and, and biases and discriminations that people such as trans women of color and people who live on the margins and people who maybe can't get jobs in the mainstream or people who just enjoy being a sex worker, people yeah. who want to be sex workers, people who love the work, feel empowered by it and want to do it. Um, we need to make that safe, accessible and not criminalized. Yeah. Um, that said, we also need to you know, do a good job and sex workers have been doing an amazing job making this distinction for people is separating trafficking with sex work. Yeah. Those are different things and yes. people still conflate them. Journalists still conflate them. Yeah. And journalists don't seem to understand that, you know, when we talk about consent, you know, money doesn't remove consent. You know, if, 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 there, if women who are, and, and men, people who yep. go into sex work, um, they're, they're adults, if they're adults and they're able to make that consent decision for themselves. Um, and so, I, you know, I, I, I whether it's OnlyFans or whether it's some other platform, uh, we, we need to let sex workers be at the table, make decisions, um, and allow them to, to do their work without the fear of criminalization, because it puts yeah. them in danger. Um, criminalizing their clients also criminalizes them. Yeah. <laughs> so right. We can, and we have a situation right now where they're, they're, there's no safe place for sex workers to work, and that's, that's an injustice. Yeah, it's... Um... I mean, there's, you know, you, there's so many uh, issues that you could, you know, like, like the, there's so many, I, you said you saw another injustice. There are so many injustices and we, and you're educating young people who are identifying injustices that people like you and I didn't even see exactly. people our age that we didn't even see it that way. So it's interesting to see the change in perspective and how that, because I, 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 I say that all the time, all the, all the time to, to people who are, uh, I work with me at a, like, I like perspective is everything because I think it, you know, given, given the opportunity to educate yourself more and or be a, a, have as much perspective try to have as much perspective as possible right because yeah. I think that adds to understanding and and people can hopefully you know uh my last guest was I, I'd mentioned was Nathaniel Erskine Smith the member of parliament for Beaches East York here where I live and uh you know we talked a little bit about um 
him grow he grew up uh, his in an NDP family and how he he runs for the Liberal Party. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh yeah. His mom, his mom and <laughs> his so mom cool. and dad were hardcore NDPers. They were union members, teachers, the whole bit. And, <laughs> but but he decided to run red for a whole bunch of reasons. And and one of the things that I got from him was just was you know uh, the idea that you know not getting everything is nothing isn't nothing which I think happens on that left. You know, if we, just because we didn't get everything doesn't mean we didn't get anything. And that, that was an issue, but that was a perspective thing to me. Uh, I would say he's probably the poster boy for that really perspective. Is. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. cause like that, I mean, Adam Vaughn as well had a yeah, bit of that. Sure. Yep. Fair enough. You know, yeah, yeah, that sort yeah. of, I consider myself a lefty, but I'm running for the oh, liberals so totally. I can get power. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That, right. I mean, that is a strategy. That's a yeah, political I mean, strategy. It's a political strategy. Well, so is calling an election only two years in. That's a political yep. <laughs> strategy. And you can get as mad as you want at it. The other two sides would have done the same thing if they saw the opportunity. Like it is what it is, right? Yeah, I think I mean, if no, I think I think that they probably would have both done the same thing. Yeah, if, if, exactly. If, if maybe exactly. in a different political atmosphere, they may have gotten together. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. The coalition. Exactly. <laughs> Can you imagine that would? Oh. Yeah, the, the the blue and the orange going. I can't see that ever, but you never know. It's, it's, it, no, it's, it's never say never. You know, when I worked for Sherry at Queens Park, that was something I learned very clearly was how you know the political ideology shifts across the province yeah, right yeah, uh, across the country too but obviously right. it was even within the province for sure even northern ontario over you do you do see a lot of conservative voters especially on certain issues go back and forth between conservative ndp wow. um almost yeah. more than you see voters going wow. um conservative to liberal that's almost something you never see well, Andrew, and yeah, I, I know it's funny, you know, I mean, I, I grew up, I grew up in Jack's writing. Like I, I, my dad was a, my dad worked in a lead smelting factory. You can imagine the, you know, how I voted my whole life and yeah. given where, and yeah. given where we've worked and what we do, obviously what my, what my ideologies are, uh, the, but the, <laughs> the idea of jumping, jumping back and forth between PC and NDP is just, is mind blowing to me, but, but, uh, you know, like it, it, there's so much more that goes on that we don't know about. And that's that whole perspective. No, exactly. It's issue you know? by issue. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's, I think what we, what we lose a lot. Uh, I am very happy for your students to get to work with you. Um, you. I think, I think, uh, uh, I think uh, somebody like yourself teaching uh, journalism in this, the way with the rapid way that journalism changes, that technology changes and, uh, and your perspective, your, your ability to identify that, wow, these kids probably haven't even ever watched a six o'clock newscast at their age, or if they have, it was at their grandparents' house. Um, <laughs> you know? Uh, it, uh, yeah, no, I know. It's amazing. <laughs> um, I, I, I really appreciate your time today. And uh, I would love this to have you back fun. on some, I'd love to have you back on sometime. Cause I think, Anytime. I think, I, I, you know, when I, 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 I mentioned to you when I started the, uh, when I started, so I lost that position. Or I didn't lose the position. My contract ended at Bell, and my I was working with a guy who was like, "What are you going to do to keep yourself busy?" And I'm like, "Well, I guess like every other guy who loses their job in radio, I'll start a podcast." And uh, <laughs> but I needed to come up with something. I needed to, I needed something with legs. I didn't just want to be me talking to my friends, which is great. I love the fact that I get to talk to my friends and my heroes and have them on and talk about uh, talk about what's going on in their lives. But I needed a hook. And the hook was change. It hit, literally hit me in the middle of the night. I woke up in the middle of the night. I said, my podcast needs to be about change and the nice. concept of change. And just, and I was just like, and I'm like, I, I got excited. I woke up and I, I typed it all out and everything. And, uh, and uh, not, I don't think, I, I know, right? And I, <laughs> I, I don't know uh, of too many industries that have changed more than journalism in the last 10 years. Goodness. And uh, um, so your ability to teach it and to talk about it, uh, I feel very fortunate to be able to do that with you. Thank you so much. 
Thank you, Bob. This has been so much fun. And when you get your podcast up, let me know. We'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll have to yes. uh, we will have to start promoting it. Uh, are you are you active on socials? Do you want to give out socials at all? Yeah, or? yeah. Uh, follow me on Twitter uh, yeah. uh, at Drea Houston, uh, D R E A H O U S T O N. I'm on uh, Instagram as well. If you want to follow my food, there you <laughs> all go. The food I'm cooking in Excellent. the kitchen. It's cooking with Barkley, who's my dog. Lucky Barkley. This has been Bob's Basements. Thanks for listening. Thanks. That's the way it is. For more information, email Bob at bobwillette at gmail.com. That's Bob Willette. Like Gillette with a W. Follow Bob on Twitter at Bob Willette. Bob's Basement is available where you find your favorite podcasts. Until next time. Well, that's the way it is.